0: What are you learning about yourself these days? There's a leadership phrase that says, never waste a crisis. These are moments that, uh, in this pandemic, that are very crisis-like. There are things that are going on in our lives that we cannot control. And in many ways, it's kind of stopped us in our tracks to kind of reevaluate and think about what our lives may really be about. And so let me ask you this again. What are you learning about yourself right now? Now, you know, a crisis will either resolve your character or to reveal your character. It begins to impact your identity and who you believe you are and what your life should be about. And if we're not careful, we may build our lives on foundations that do not last and do not matter. And so it's important for every one of us to begin to think about and evaluate who are we and who are we becoming. I brought some illustrations this morning to talk about maybe our lives in some different ways. And sometimes we think about uh, what we've built our life on. You know, I look at my own life and sometimes I look back to those high school days, the glory days, and in a lot of ways there's there's a lot of joy, there's a lot of memory, and there's a lot of wasted energy that got spent on four years, though they were special, though they were, were personal, they, they've come and gone. I think about for some of us, maybe we, we build a, our lives on a sport, right? We spend a lot of time learning how to put a ball through a hoop or a ball across a goal line or kick it through a goal or spike it over a net. But over those times, there's a point where we probably quit playing I think about the way we build our lives, maybe on our appearance. We spend so much time thinking about how we should look, how we should do our hair or used to do our hair. Maybe we spend our time even, even building our life on our, our career, our resume. We begin to think about our life and maybe, maybe we get to a point that we're a little bit more grown and we start to build our life On our family. But what we build our life on, where our identity comes from, is fueled by what we value. But what happens when those foundations, the identity we've built our life on, what about when it changes? What about when the kids move out? And you've got to figure out how to be a couple again. What about those moments where the game is done and you can't play? What what happens to your identity then? What about when uh, the job that you work so hard to get is now in jeopardy? What about when you spend so much time on your appearance and the scale seems to tell you there's a different reality? The truth of the matter is, I think for many of us, when we build our lives on the past, on our appearance, or things that don't matter, unfortunately, what we start to do is find different foundations. And we begin to make other choices. We begin to supplement one foundation for another. We begin to make choices that no longer matter, and and we begin to invest in things that pass by. We begin to fill our time with fun and recreation to kind of re-identify with that group again that we used to know, we begin to self-medicate and find ways to take away the pain and forget about how life is. And the unfortunate truth is for many of us, whether it's in a bottle, whether it's in a pill, whether it's in a new relationship or a different job, it's one passing temporary moment being filled with another temporary moment of our lives to try and create an identity that we just hope is going to last. But what would it look like for us to build our identity on something that really matters? Is there an identity that we might find that could last more than a season or more than a moment, I mean, even more than a lifetime? Is there, is there an identity that we might be able to live that's, rooted in eternity. Well, that's why we're here today. That's why we've gathered as First Christian Church. And whether you're brand new with us and started joining us today, whether you've been with us a few weeks or for several years, we're glad that you're here. And we want you to belong and know that you matter here. And there is an identity that each and every one of us not only can have for themselves, but we can flourish in and be fully who God intended us to be. As we're going through this series, Chasing Carrots, I want to encourage you to maybe uh, look at some of the resources that we've got available. We've got some message notes for you today. You can go to fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday, and there you can find message notes. Uh, You can fill out a connection card to uh, take next steps or ask for prayer, or you can even join us there on our live feed and be able to talk to somebody for prayer or decisions that you want to make Uh, through the message board. You know, over the last few weeks, we've unpacked this idea of chasing hope, and we've chased it in a lot of different directions. We've chased these carrots through hope. We've chased these carrots after Jesus. We even spent a lot of time last week talking about comparison. That if we have not found hope, if we've not chased Jesus, that what we can revert back to is chasing comparison and looking outside of our lives, what we wish we had, who we wish we were, and begin to measure ourselves up to things that don't matter. So maybe today we go to another layer and we just talk about our identity. Our identity. Two questions we need to ask of ourselves today, if we can. Two questions we need to talk about when we talk about our identity are this. Who am I? Deep down inside, when you think about yourself and what you're known for, is it something of the past or something that you've chased? Have you begun to medicate or begun to try and ease the pain through a season because of your own confusion and your own frustration with life? The second question is similar, but it's, what is my reason for living deep down inside each and every one of us have a purpose a purpose well beyond what we do or what we have the name on the back of our jersey or the amount of money in our wallet our identity should be built on something that can last and that only comes in a relationship with jesus If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and open up to the book of John, John chapter 18. Now, John is the fourth gospel of the New Testament. The New Testament has these opening four books that are eyewitness accounts that talk about the life of Jesus, who he was, what his life was about, and the meaning and purpose why he lived his life the way he did. In the midst of that, John, a very close friend of Jesus, begins to describe this this crescendo that we talk about just even a few weeks ago when we talked about Easter, which is the crucifixion of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And in John chapter 12, there begins to be this conversation that Jesus begins to communicate to his followers that this is the very purpose. This is the very reason for which he was born. And from chapter 12 to chapter 18, there is this crescendo of his purpose and his reason for living coming into an understanding, a resolve, if you will, that who he is is about to be fulfilled through his death, burial, and resurrection. Here's what it says, starting in John chapter 18. That's where we're going to start. And this is what John says to set us up. He says this in verse 32. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. John is taking a moment just to say, hey, I'm telling you this because I was there, I saw this, and this is what was happening in this moment. At the time, maybe he didn't know it. At the time, maybe he was just following in the way, wondering what was going to happen next. But the days that are about to unravel for them is actually the fulfillment of the purpose of Jesus. John is saying, while it could have gone down a lot of different ways, listen to what happens here. Jesus is actually standing at a point where he's been arrested this night. He's been taken before kind of a kangaroo court who has kind of falsely accused him, got him trapped in words, trying to get him in some sort of uh, political treason so that they can take them before the Roman leaders and have him killed. And this is where we find ourselves, standing before Pilate, the governor of their area, and beginning to communicate with him why Jesus should be put to death. Here's what it says, starting in verse 33. Pilate then went back inside the palace, and he summoned Jesus. And he asked him, "'Are you the king of the Jews?' Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did someone talk to you about me? Pilate, as the Roman governor, is beginning to unpack some pieces about the identity of Jesus, and as he's doing so, he's taking what's been told to him, and he's unpacking it in front of him, saying, so so are you the king of the Jews? Are, Are you beginning to lead a revolt against us? Is this why you've been brought here? Are you a traitor to the Roman government? Of course, he's always already been held in front of a, a Jewish council that has brought these charges against him. But Jesus begins to press in like, are, are you asking because you want to know who I am and my purpose? <laughs> or are you just asking because people have brought me here and you have a role to play? Pilate, though, is really asking a question of authority. Do you know who you are? By what right have you been brought in front of me from your accusations, from your own statements? Who are you? And this leads us to a question I think all of us need to ask. Who is Jesus? To each of us. <laughs> some like to say he's a great teacher. Uh, some like, he was, like to say he's a, a man of compassion and justice. But compassion and justice and teaching Oftentimes don't cost you your life. Look what it begins to say then in verse 35. Am I a Jew? Pilate replies, Am I a Jew? Your own people, your chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? And Jesus says, My kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. And if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom, but now my kingdom is from another place. Pilate literally begins to say, well, am I like you? Am I from your heritage? Am I from your background? Are we the same in this situation? Literally, Pilate is kind of pushing himself away from Jesus. We are not the same. This is not equal footing. You are not like me. And Pilate really begins to question the belonging. Where does he fit? Where does Jesus fit? Uh, Jesus being asked if he's a king is now brought before Pilate because his peers, his friends have brought accusations against him that he is a king, that he is showing himself as one who is to lead a reign on earth. It's a trick question in many ways. What Pilate is beginning to ask is a question of belonging. Where do you fit? Where do I fit? What is this life about and who are we? But Jesus' response is different than just the average response. He begins to declare his sovereign reign as king. That his kingdom does not have the same values of power or might, but that his kingdom is of a heavenly realm of different values Not of violence or power, but of peace and compassion, of love and justice. And in these two worlds that now begin to collide, these two kingdoms that are beginning to go head to head, the question begins to be asked in our identity, what do we value? Pilate has a role to play as a a political figure to keep the peace, to keep the authority. But Jesus has a role to play as the king of kings to have the sovereign reign of our world and our universe. Look what it says in verse 37. This is Pilate. Oh, you are king then. You say that I am king. This is what Jesus answered. You say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born for this very purpose, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate responds or retorts, what is truth? You know, this is part of what got Jesus in trouble. Do you realize that? John records in the 14th, 14th chapter in the sixth verse, and Jesus is teaching and he says this phrase in front of other followers that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This is partly what stirred up the crowd, because what's happening in their day and in their time, Jesus has just aligned himself as the rightful king, the rightful Messiah, the one from God, God in flesh, who has come to pay the ransom for everyone's sins. And the religious leaders of the day aren't having it. They're upset. They're frustrated. And so they bring these challenges against him. And Pilate's just trying to figure out what's true. Who's true? Who's telling the truth? What's going on here? It's a question of validity. Pilate says, what is truth? Is it your truth? Is it my truth? And Jesus is saying, I am the truth. See, the challenge is this. Truth is not a what. Truth is a who. And his name is Jesus. So let me ask you for a moment. Who is the source of truth in your life? Is it you? Is it Jesus? Because the type of foundation that we're going to build our identity on plays out very differently depending on who will be the source of your truth. Here's what I believe. That who we believe we are shapes how we live. It shapes how we live. And there's a process that we all go through in learning our purpose, and it's often when our character is proven. Do you know that Scripture talks about the purpose of Jesus? And it just describes it very quickly. A couple of different passages actually bring it up, and they call him the Son of Man, meaning that he's God in flesh, that he's God in human form, and he's living on this earth, so they call him the Son of Man. It's a a term of humility, while Son of God speaks to his deity. But Jesus came to earth, and this was what his purpose was. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, and the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Both passages uh, speak deeply to the purpose of Jesus. And he knew this was what his life was about. This is why he lived. But then he goes through a time of proven character. Where he goes into the wilderness. And he's tempted in three different ways. A want for stuff that's found in what we would call materialism. A want for pleasure, which we would call hedonism. But a want of self which we would call egoism. And these are kind of the three temptations that we often build our lives off of. Stuff, pleasure, and self. But Jesus goes through his period of testing and it forges, it resolves his identity. His character begins to be a foundation that begins to shape who he is, not only before God, but before humanity. Humanity. And the truth is for us, it's the same. That when we find our identity in Christ, we find it forged in our character, we can live a purposeful identity. So it makes me understand this, that whose we believe we are shapes our eternity. Who we believe we are, it shapes how we live. But whose whose we believe we are shapes our eternity. When we begin to live for God rather than live for self, we know that our eternity is secure in Christ. Not this moment, not this season, not during this pandemic, not for my lifetime, but my identity is secured in who God has made me to be. That's a foundation that we all need in our life. So, what is our identity? I mean, we know so many of these foundations pass away, but knowing Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, what he did on the cross, knowing that he died for our sins, gave us new life in him. Understanding that that death, burial, and resurrection is literally empowerment. It's what strengthens us and fuels us to live a life, even in difficult times, that is purposeful for his glory and his honor. What is our identity? Our identity is this. It's that we are saved and called to a holy life, set apart for his purpose and his grace. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's most special possession. And we are blessed with every blessing in Christ. We are no longer condemned because Jesus has set us free. We are made alive in Jesus. We are saved by his grace. And we are made right with God through Jesus so that we can now be his ambassador, ambassadors, reconciling others to God. Because ultimately, we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Are you hearing that truth today? Uh, Jesus says that those of us that are on the side of truth hear him. And maybe you're pressed into a moment of your life that you've been trying to build your foundation off your past, off your family, off your career, off a sport, whatever it may be, your appearance, your your career, whatever it may be. And you're finding that in the middle of COVID-19, when everything else has been stripped away from you, you're wrestling with, who am I? The anxiety sometimes is overwhelming. And so maybe you begin to turn to other things and it's just not satisfying you. Well, let me encourage you this. Let me encourage you with this. That following Jesus means unfollowing the world. And today, we want to invite you to unfollow the world. To quit chasing what doesn't matter in the temporary. And live for what is eternal. A relationship with Jesus. I had a friend who did this several years ago. Matter of fact, I was flipping through some, some old Facebook memories about somebody who came into our life. Uh, Their name is Dale and Jackie. Uh, Jackie was very special to our family, and so was Dale and their family. Uh, They they had been far from God for years. And the truth of the matter was, when we were starting a little church in the inner city of Tampa, they showed up. They began to hang out with us a little bit. We began to hear their story. And there was this one moment that Jackie was in a group with my wife. And they were talking about just the experience of what it means to surrender your life to Christ. And Jackie began to unpack her past, and it was rough. She began to explain some of the scenarios and choices that she had made in her life. She began to talk about some of the abuse and some of the hardships that had come on her life. And she began to just express how her identity had crumbled. Her value, her worth, seemed lost. Now, Jackie, uh, Jackie was sometimes maybe rough around the edges maybe wasn't assuming to be the church-going type. Oftentimes, you'd find Jackie uh, at the corner, getting ready to walk around the corner to go to our church, and she'd be standing on the corner, smoking her cigarette with a raspy voice. And Jackie, in the middle of this group with my wife, Begins to hear the message about how God's grace, God's love is equal for all people. That his death, his burial, his resurrection is the payment for our sins and life everlasting. That's the truth. And that that love and that grace and that compassion is meant for everyone. In the middle of that conversation about grace and compassion, my wife stresses... God loves you just like God loves me. And here was a woman who had spent a lot of time in her life chasing so many other things. And let's be honest, it's ridiculous in this world that sometimes people value a pastor or their family higher than everybody else, that somehow they have some sort of insider secret with Jesus. And friends, we don't. Jackie looked at my wife and said, even me? Even me? Jackie was trying to figure out who this Jesus really is. Because what she values was an acceptance and a love that would meet her where she is for all eternity. But the truth she needed to hear was that even though her past, as broken as it may be, God's truth can heal her life and bring it back together. And so my wife said, yeah, Jackie, even you. A few weeks later, we had a baptism Sunday and Jackie came forward. We stood there and we took her confession of faith that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then we dipped her into the water. This portrait of baptism That just as Jesus was died and buried and rose again, we now are putting to death the old way of living and rising anew, a new life found in Jesus, clothed in his grace, living in his truth. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus, never surrendered your life to Jesus through baptism. But I want to tell you the truth today if you want a foundation for your identity to stand on, if you want to know who you are and the purpose for your life, friends, it is found is the one who has conquered sin and conquered death. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. God, there's so many questions that we could be asking today. But God, we just stand before you and we're asking, Jesus, who are you? Reveal yourself to us. God, right now there are people whose hearts are are, are maybe open or even broken and minds are going, "Why, why, why does this seem to resonate so deeply in me? And God, may we hear your truth, that it's your love, it's your forgiveness that makes us whole. God, we wrestle with the things that we have valued and we know that what we valued most in our life much of it is past N- much of it doesn't even matter anymore so god help us to value you but god in the midst of this honestly help us wrestle with this truth who's going to be the source of truth in our own lives God, I have tried to be that for myself. I have chased my passions. I've chased my hungers. I've chased relationships. I've chased money. But I know that what has fulfilled me and has sustained me has been you. So, God, we surrender our lives to you today. We give our lives to you. May you be our source of truth. May you be our identity. And may your death, your burial, your resurrection and be the fuel that strengthens our walk before you. God, we love you. By the power of your spirit, we live with bold confidence, knowing that we've been made right with you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.: If you're new with us, you
1: may be wondering, what is this time of response all about? Well, we, we all have different stories, different experiences, different situations. We all know what COVID 19 is. Maybe right now you're dealing with anger or resentment or depression or sadness. Maybe you're in a time of celebration and dealing with joy or happiness. Well, this is a moment where we could bring all those things together and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Come before God in awe and wonder of who He is a God that created everything and still desires an intimate relationship with us, a God who loves us unconditionally. That means that there is nothing you can do that would make God love you less. Now, that's incredible. But there's also nothing you can do that would make God love you more. God is love, and we respond to that love right now. That could be something as simple as, hey, you know what? I really like first, I'm going to go to the website, and I'm going to fill out a connect card. If that's how you want to respond, great. It could also be something as, I've been thinking about giving my life to Jesus for a while now. And today is the day. I want to give my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I want to be baptized. We want to celebrate that with you. You can go to FCC-Online.org forward slash Sunday to find out multiple ways to respond. You can give through generosity. You can download the Give app, G-Y-V-E, and give. We are setting aside money this month for our COVID-19 relief fund. Now that money is going to go towards family, people, and organizations that are in need. You can also sign up to volunteer. Right now, we are packing and distributing food for families all around Champaign and Urbana. You can also request to be prayed for. We would love to lift you up and pray for your prayer requests, your wants and needs, and lift those up to God. And last, but certainly not least, as the group's pastor, if you're looking for community, I would love to get you connected here at first. We have a group for you, and during this time, we all need connection. Now here at First, every week, we take communion. We set aside time to respond and remember what Jesus did for us. His death, burial, and resurrection gives us victory over sin and death. I want to read from 1 Peter for you guys. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered, He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, whenever you take this, do it in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. And in the same way, he took the juice and he said, this is my blood shed for you. I'm making a new covenant with you, a new relationship, a new promise. Whenever you take this, do it in remembrance of me. Now, again, I know we all have different stories, different things we're going through, but this is a time to just pause, a time to reflect. If you need to take a deep breath, take a deep breath and respond to God and his infinite love for you. Now, we're gonna sing a couple more songs. We're gonna respond in worship, but I also encourage you to respond to God and his infinite love. Let's continue to worship.